Hello, and welcome to another episode of our podcast recorded at the Seventh-day Adventist Church of Adairsville. I'm Jared, and we're delighted you're listening. But if you're ever in the area, we'd be even more excited if you dropped in to say hi and enjoyed some good Southern food with us. I'd like to present to you um, for our closing presentation, Jesus on the Menu. And that's significant, not just a title. There's something behind that. And I'm looking forward to sharing with you. I have this fascination with the many ways that Jesus attempts to reveal himself to us. This morning you heard about how he even would refer to himself as a worm. And it was really the characteristics of that worm that really reveals what he would come and do for us, right? Is it possible, is my question this evening, is it possible that even through food, Jesus is trying to teach us something about himself? Have you considered this? You should, because you'll recall the statement that he makes where he says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no eternal life. And many of the disciples no longer walked with him, it says in John chapter 6 and verse 66. They no longer walked with him because they said, wow, does Jesus want us to be cannibals now? This was their thinking. And they no longer walked with him. But he was saying something deeper, wasn't he? So we want to get into the deeper things that Jesus is trying to reveal. We'll have a word of prayer. And then I'm going to start off with the Bible before I get into the presentation. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we once again thank you for being with us today. We thank you for the things that we've been learning today. And I'm thankful, Lord, that it's, it's been about the time we're living in and our only help and solution that is to be found in Jesus Christ. So, Father, we pray that you'll continue to come and abide with us, be with us, bless us. And, Lord, may all that we hear, all that is spoken, glorify your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I would like to start by asking you a question. We are told as Seventh-day Adventists that we are to give the loud what? What is that? What is that message? It's the three angels' message? Well, it's to be combined with the third angels' message, which is, it's pretty serious pretty serious thing that God says is going to happen in the very last and end of time, right? But where would you find, you know where the third angel's message is, but where would you find the loud cry message? Because we are told that the loud cry message is going to swell, right? And it's going to somehow reveal Jesus. It's in, I want to show you where it is, and then we're going to work our ways backwards. Turn to Revelation chapter 18 and verse 1 in your Bibles. Revelation, the 18th chapter, and verse 1. In Revelation chapter 18 and verse 1, the Bible says, And after these things, I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory. Right? This is prophetic. God is saying that an angel's going to come down. Is that a real angel? I appreciate your, your fervor and that you're daring. But actually, that is not an angel. The Bible shows, even as Paul said, you have received me as an angel. That means a messenger. So this is a message that people are giving, and that's what's going to actually cause this loud cry to go forward. Now, is that the first time the Bible speaks of it? Watch the connection to diet and health. Turn in your Bibles to Numbers. What book did I say? The book of Numbers. And you're turning to Numbers chapter 14. Working our way backwards. And we're looking at verse 21. And give yourselves a hearty, I'm not tired, it's late, but I'm still ready to go. Amen. 
So Numbers chapter 14 is what you're looking for. In verse what? Notice what it says. This is God speaking. But as truly as I live, read it with me, all the earth shall be filled with what? There's that loud cry message again. The same one from Revelation 18. The one that we as the last church are to give. Here it is over here in the book of Numbers. My question to you this afternoon is, what was connected to this statement, this pronouncement by God where he says, as I live, I'm telling you, I'm going to finish this work and this whole earth is going to be filled with people who look like me. He was frustrated here. Why was he frustrated? I'm just going to give you the backdrop, what happened here. From Numbers chapter 12, really, as they sojourned throughout the Sinai Desert floor, that part of the, the region, they were constantly rejecting God's power. And he was feeding them. Do you remember that? What was he feeding them with? Manna. And right here in Numbers chapter 11, he's feeding them with manna. Every day he's providing it. He told them the manner in which it would fall and all these things. And yet they didn't believe him. And you know all the story behind that in Exodus chapter 16. But right here they say, oh, we loathe this old manna. And in the, <clears throat> if you will look in the writings of Ellen G. White, she says, that the manna was a type of Christ. So they were rejecting not a food item, but who? Jesus himself. And I believe that this whole experience that we're having, it's all about, do we believe what God says? Do you believe him? Do you believe he's able to do for you that which you cannot do? Do you believe that? Do you believe he's able to save you in the way that he says he'll save you? I believe that through food, God teaches this idea of righteousness by faith. Why would I say that? Here in Numbers chapter 11, he's feeding them daily. He's giving them provisions daily. And yet they're saying, we don't want this stuff. If you use the definition from Gospel Workers, page 456, it says, and I think Jared quoted it as he was going throughout his series, it mentions how someone asked a question, what is righteousness by faith? Is it the third angel's message? She says it is in verity. But then she says justification by faith is the work of God. The work of who? The work of God in laying the glory of man where? In the dust and doing for him that which is not in his power to do for himself. Could they bring manna down from the sky? So what was God trying to show them? I can do this for you. You can't do it. Allow me to be your God and you'll receive the blessing. And they said, we don't want it. And how much work did they have to do, dear brother, to go get that manna? They had to get up in the morning. Where was it? Did they have to walk to get it? No, the Bible says that it fell right in the camp. They just had to go outside of their tents and it was there. They collected and that was their meal. It was simple. See, God's plan is simple, isn't it? But then you get over to the next chapter or later on in that chapter, before chapter 12, and they're weeping. They're crying. A million people are weeping and crying in their tents because what do they want? Give us some flesh food. We want some meat. And they're weeping. Can you imagine? The Bible says that. I'm just giving you a picture. The Bible says they were weeping in their tents. That's a lot of people crying. So God says, look, you know what? I'm sick of this. I'm done. I tell you what, I'm going to just give it to them. And then the Bible says he brought quail. And oh, my word. The Bible says that it was so much quail, it was this high off the ground. But here's the interesting thing, and I'm juxtaposing. Laying the 
foundation for what we're going to talk about here. The Bible says that they walked a day's journey to get the quail because God didn't allow for it to come in the camp. So they walked to get it. It took over a day. They get there. They start loading up this dead quail. (laughs) And then they have to walk back to the camp. Now tell me, what's the difference between what God was doing in terms of his provision right in the camp versus what they were doing in going to collect quail? One, you had righteousness by faith. God did it. They just received it. The other was righteousness by works. You catch that? And what was the result? It said 20, it was so bad, Paul talks about it in Corinthians. He says 20-some thousand of them died in a day. I wondered. I was like, well, he said, I'll give it to them until it's coming out of their nose. In my early days, my Youthful Adventist days, I thought they had feathers coming out of their nose. But really, they were suffering wet symptoms. They were suffering from different viruses. They had no refrigerators out there. So they were eating decomposing dead birds. And they got sick. Probably was bird flu. I don't know. But they got sick. But why? For what reason? I believe, excuse me, I believe that God... This thing is tricky. I believe that God was calling them, listen, 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 preparing them for something. You know what it was? He was preparing them to enter into Canaan. What is he preparing us for? To enter heavenly Canaan. And Paul says, The things that God did with them were what? For examples of how the end would come. So God was preparing them by giving them manna every day. 40 years, he gives them manna every single day. He's feeding them. They don't want it. They want to go out and do their own thing. They want to work for it. And God says, look, I'm trying to prepare you. And then finally he says... All right, go take the land. Is it possible that what they were eating that God had prescribed, what would somehow engender in them that would prepare them to have the courage, the strength to believe what God said he was going to do? He says, go take the land. I don't care how big they are. It doesn't matter. Go and take the land. What did they do? We find that 12 spies, how many spies? 12 of them were sent. How many came back with a good report? Only two, Joshua and Caleb. And then God says, all of those over a certain age are going to die in this wilderness. And then he says what you see in Revelation, I'm sorry, Numbers 14, 21. As the Lord lives, one day somebody's going to believe me. And the whole earth is going to be filled with my glory. What time is he talking about? Now. He's talking about now. Are you with me? So now, could he, in our last and final moments, as we look at genetic entropy and all these things, the dramatic mutation of the human genome, and all the things that Jared just shared, and all the things that Dr. Jose shared with us today, is it possible that God is calling us back to a manna experience where he's trying to teach us that it's time to go home and you need to have the right diet? I want to remind you, do not think for a moment here that I'm telling you what to eat. I'm just talking what the Bible teaches. Amen? All right, let's see if this hot potato clicker will stay in my hand. Now, in the beginning, you had Adam and Eve. God created Adam from the dust of the ground, made a man. We talked about that. And by the way, were there, was there fish around when God made Adam? 
Is there fish in the waters? Oh, yeah, you better believe it. Uh, were, were there um, chickens around? Oh, yeah. Beef? It was around. All those things, things were there in the garden or in the water, but God chose none of those things to put on the menu. Have you ever thought why? First, I'm going to show you some science. People like science. Here's some good science. And I like that Dr. Jose talked about the fact that nuts contain, do you all remember that word? Antioxidants. Good for you. But notice this. Isn't this powerful? Eating one handful of nuts five or more days a week will extend your lifespan by at least how many years? How many of you eat nuts every day? Hallelujah. They have identified, by the way, those who live in Loma Linda. That's one of the things that, and by the way, even though you find this research coming from different peer review publications, they primarily, they love our research. They're getting it from Loma Linda, from the Adventist Health Study. A lot of the things that they are actually sharing, and you find anybody up here of Dr. Michael Greger, nutrition.org, he loves the research that comes from Adventist Health Study. But this is one of them. And it extends your life by how many years? Two years. So what can we conclude about God's original diet? It extends your life. It extends your life. Because, see, God is all about righteousness. In Proverbs chapter 12, verse 28, the Bible says, In the way of righteousness there is only life, and the pathway thereof there is no death. So God wants to give us what? I like the text that Jared ended with, John 10, 10. I have come that they might have what? And they might have it how? More abundantly. God wants to give us life. Now, I'd like to do a little um, work with me here. Indulge me. If I had in this hand a seed, hmm? let's call it a, an almond. That's a seed, right? You all agree with that? Good, good. And then in this hand, I had a rock. Now I took the rock and I put it in the earth, covered it up with some soil, poured some water on it. Would it grow another rock? Would it sprout? Why not? It's got minerals in it. No? Ah. She says it doesn't have life. But what if I took that almond, put it in some water or in some soil, gave it water, sunshine, would it sprout? Absolutely. Why? Because it has not only minerals, but it has vitamins. And vita is the, is the Latin word for life. So when you're eating a handful of nuts, you're eating life, vitamins and minerals. So it goes on. People who eat nuts and seeds tend to not only live longer, but what else? But also suffer fewer deaths from cancer, heart disease, and respiratory disease. These are your three killers, right, in, in the United States of America. They suffer less heart disease, less cancer, less respiratory disease. Now, I'm showing you the science because we're, gonna, we're then going to go look at why. We're going to ask ourselves the question, why? Why did God, or really, why is the medical profession and scientific community, why are they realizing that this is the best way to go? Who knew it before? God did. How about this one? In a Harvard Research University, a Harvard University study, researchers found that of all the foods associated with protection against chronic diseases, greens packed the greatest punch. Hmm. How many of you like greens? I'm in the South. Everybody's hands should go up. Love greens. I don't know what it is. But I tell you, mix some collard greens and some kale, and you got me. Amen? Even better, if they're organic. 
So researchers are finding that of all the foods, how many foods? We're talking about your nuts. We're talking about your, your grains. We're talking about your fruit. Greens pack the greatest punch in terms of fighting chronic diseases. Oh, we're starting to get in God's, inside of God's head now, right? Now, what about this? 2012. They knew it much sooner than this, but here's a 2012 study. Too much what? Does what? Shortens your life. So God's diet does what? Increases or lengthens your life. And hmm, the diet that God didn't give, I'll put it that way, does what to your life? Not according to what God says, even though he did, but the science is now showing it. So again, just showing you what was God, what was in God's mind as he gave the original diet. Here's a Harvard, uh, Harvard Health Publishing, Harvard Medical School, cutting red meat for a longer life. So everybody's saying it. Everybody realizes it. Association of animal and plant protein intake with all cause and cause-specific mortality. Now, I blew this one up just to kind of look at exactly what it's saying. It says high animal protein intake was positively associated with cardiovascular mortality. And high plant protein intake was inversely, inversely <clears throat> associated with all-cause and cardiovascular mortality, especially among individuals with at least one lifestyle risk factor. Substitution of plant protein for animal protein, especially that from processed red meat, was associated with lower mortality. So here is the science on the difference between plant protein and meat protein, especially processed meat. And you know, I wish I could almost have this on a shirt when people say, well, how do you get your protein? Right? Because here the science shows us, you know what? All proteins are not alike, right? Now, I love that image. Isn't that good? In this particular news piece, are you able to get um, audio to this? Yeah? Okay. All right. So let's, let's take a look. Jared shows some videos. I'm going to show this one and just hear how... The news reports are backing up what I've shown you thus far. Major new study about red meat. The Harvard School of Public Health saying there is a dramatically increased risk of death from eating as little as one extra serving of red meat per day. So let's bring in our medical editor, Dr. Richard Besser, to talk about this. So what's the headline here with the study? Well, you know, Robin, we've known that there's a, a connection between eating red meat and heart disease, eating red meat and certain types of cancer. Here they looked at eating red meat and your risk of having an early death. And what they found was pretty stunning. For every additional serving of red meat you have per day, your risk of dying early during the course of this study goes up by 12 percent. I mean, that's huge, 12 percent. But there is some good news here because they're also... So, when God gave man his diet, why didn't he choose Genesis 128? Lots of beasts around, but he didn't put that on the menu. God knows the end from the beginning, doesn't he? You know, I think it's really interesting when you think about um, the swine. That's no issue for us, thank God. We know that we just don't eat pork, right? Right? Amen, amen. But it's interesting that all of the different types of diseases that you can actually get from eating swine. And I thought about that in the context of where it says that God knows the end from the beginning. So in other words, looking down time, he knew exactly what it would do. So therefore, he says, on the meal plan that I give, that's not on it. Even when there's going to be some type of emergency diet, that's not on the meal plan, right? But in the same way, God knew that it was only an emergency situation after the flood that God would allow people to eat flesh foods. And again, I want to be very clear. Some here may have that as a part of their diet. This is not in any way to condemn anyone. We're just talking about 
how this actually affects us and is God preparing us, teaching us to have victory in these last days? Can we show the world what our God is like by even our diet? What does it look like to the world when they see people who are healthy and vibrant and have lots of energy, right? In fact, we're told that in the Bible, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, I believe it is, it says that the people would see God's people and they would say, truly, this is a wise and understanding generation. Why? Because God was over them and even had provided exactly what they needed to be a witness to the world. And they were, in some ways, to give that loud cry message. Right? They were to show what God was like. So God didn't put animals on the menu. So let's go back to the beginning and start here. Genesis 1 29. It says here, and God said, behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed. Now you got to really look at this. This looks really innocuous. It looks very mundane, very benign. Doesn't seem like there's anything here. You've read this many times, but have you really seen what this is saying? And God said, behold, I've given you every herb bearing seed. Now let me ask you a question. When God gave man's diet, it was fruits, just not if you're in agreement, nuts, grains, seeds, and greens. You're not so sure. <laughs> God did not give collard greens initially. He didn't give kale initially. I like what Dr. Jose said. He mentioned that the foods that God gave were perfectly aligned with the atmosphere and the atmospheric pressure. They were foods that were high in antioxidants. So you find that in fruits and nuts and seeds. But the greens came later. Why? Is there a reason? Well, let's still focus on the seeds. It says, God said, behold, I've given you every herb bearing seed. If the herbs weren't a part of the original diet, do you agree with that, by the way? You're not sure. Turn to Genesis 3.18. I can't go forward if you're saying, well, I don't know. I think it was there. Genesis 3.18. The Bible tells us in Genesis 3.18, it says, thorns also and thistles shall you eat. I'm sorry, thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. So God introduces the herb after sin. He brings in collards and kale and broccoli after sin. Okay, you with me? So it wasn't a part of the diet, and if it wasn't a part of the diet, then why does it say every herb bearing seed? There's some farmers here. Help me out. If you're not eating the herbs, what are they there for? Because they produce seeds. That's the most important thing. Continuing on, which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree in the which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed. So it's not so much what the thing is, it's what it does. The fruit yields seed and the herb yields seed. So the most important part of this is the, is what? It's the seed. Why do you think that is? That's nice. Plant some seeds, get some fruit. Jesus is the seed of the woman. That's why this is called Jesus on the menu. I'm telling you, the food, even the food that God has given, has been given so that it will help us remind us of him. How many years were they sacrificing a lamb? Every day, every day, God wanted them to sacrifice a lamb. Why? Because 
that lamb represented, it represented him. And he just hoped that one day they would hate sacrificing those lambs and they would rather be obedient. How about the dedication of uh, Solomon's temple? Thousands of bullocks. I mean, it was like 30,000. I've never even seen that many cattle. God never intended for them to keep doing that. He was trying to show them that it was about him, what he would do. But we're not supposed to just keep sacrificing Jesus, are we? So he's trying to teach us through food. Do you believe that so far? If you're not quite convinced, I've got some more. We're going to keep going. So, okay, so God said, behold, I've given you every herb that's yielding seed. And if you look at the chiactic structure of Genesis chapter 1, that's a, it's, the, it's, it's, it's theology. And basically how the scripture, the, the poetic style that is written, when you start from the top, you start from the bottom, and you go all the way to the middle. And the thing that ends up in the middle of the chapter is the most important thing in that chapter. The most important thing in the chapter of Genesis 1 is the seed. And then you get to Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, and it's the seed of the woman. Jesus is the seed, the promised seed, right? Galatians chapter 3 and verse 16, it says that the promise of the seed was given to Abraham, and that seed was Christ, if you didn't believe it. So, so science has agreed. Seeds are life-giving. Let's make sure that we're all clear. What are seeds? Examples? Have, you, have, I, have I stumped you on seeds? You guys are living in the country. You should know what seeds are. You probably had some today. Did you? Did you have any seeds today in, in your lunch? Tomatoes. Tomatoes is a seed. Okay. There was cashew. Cashews, some sort of blended cashew, and you had some kind of cashew gravy or sauce made from a seed, right? What else? What else is a seed? Avocado's a fruit, but it does have a seed. But it's a fruit. It's considered a fruit. You had rice. Rice is a seed. It's a grain. It will sprout. So the things that God put in the original diet were all seeds. Nuts are seeds. Grain seeds. Beans are seeds. Ah, Lentils are seeds, right? Legumes are all seeds. So you had a nice lunch today of seeds. I tell you, I think most Adventists, when we have our potlucks and the famous Adventist meal, haystacks, is a diet primarily comprised of seeds. Right? Oh, and seeds are seeds as well. So, God wants us to know about the seed because it's a life-giving force. So that's why God gave us Genesis 1:29. What is that? That's a beautiful strawberry, isn't it? Now, he said that we're to eat fruit as well. They are high in antioxidants, but I tell you, when you think about the kind of tropical fruits, if you've ever gone to Hawaii or some tropical place, and they have these different types of fruits that are just chock full of seeds, and you don't worry about them, you eat them like a kiwi, right? Kiwi, strawberry, look at that. On the strawberry are what? Seeds. I want you to think about what God is doing in the design here. These types of fruits are the perfect delivery system for seeds into the body. In his whole scheme, is, that's not a good word for God, in his whole strategy to get something in our bodies that is life-giving, Right? And I love kiwi. Oh, look at all those seeds. Do you spit them out? Of course you don't. Before I get to berries, let's, let's continue with seeds for a second. So anybody here ever make fresh bread? Yeah? Fresh bread? Like, now, when I say fresh, I don't mean you go and buy the flour. I'm talking about you get the wheat berry seeds. When I learned how to make bread... 
They said, don't get that. That's rancid. You want to make it fresh. Take those, those wheat berry seeds and you want to grind them up, right? And make your own flour. Anybody ever do that? You have. Ah, so you know what I'm talking about. I bet it was delicious. It makes a difference in the taste, doesn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. So Jesus is the seed, right? What kind of seed is he? What kind of seed do you think Jesus is? If he had to liken himself to a certain type of seed, please listen to me. What seed would he choose? Now, I will allow that one to stump you. Ah, you're talking about John chapter 12. Turn to John chapter 12. John chapter 12. Let's see what Jesus said. What did he refer him to himself as? John chapter 12. Looking for Jesus. John chapter 12, and we're looking at verse 24. What verse are you looking for? 24, John 12, 24. You said corn. Ah, (laughs) notice he says, verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat or kernel of wheat, fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth what? Much fruit. What in the world is Jesus talking about? Are you guessing? Skip down to verse 32. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. This he said, signifying what death he should die. So the whole context here is how he would die. Hmm? So Jesus, follow this. Jesus says, I'm like a corn of wheat, a kernel of wheat, and it's going to go into the ground, into a tomb, and it's going to die. That's the only way you're going to get bread. I think I lost you guys. Are you getting it? Because what is Bethlehem called? Or what is the word for Bethlehem in the original language? The bread basket. Is he not the bread of life? But he goes all the way back and he says... I must first, in order for you to get bread, I have to die. I have to be ground to powder. By the way, if you go to Numbers chapter 11, you'll find that as they took the manna every day, they would take the manna and they would put it in a mortal and pestle and they would grind it to powder. And that's how they would make bread cakes. For all the years, 40 years, what was Jesus trying to teach them? I'm going to be your bread of life. I'm going to be the one who's going to come to Bethlehem, to the place. I don't know how God does that, but a place that was named centuries ago, it was named for the exact place that he would come and be the bread of life. But he must first be just a wheat seed. Huh? Oh, there's more. There's more. There's more. Here's what the science says. Berries are brain food, and it's your healthiest fruit. Did you know that? How many of you have your berries every day? It's listed as the things you should eat every day. Nuts, nuts and seeds, berries, right? Legumes, you should eat these things every day. Whole grains. But here we have berries, strawberries, Blackberries, raspberries, blueberries, my favorite. Harvest study says one serving of blueberries, two servings of strawberries slows brain aging by how long? Now, what did the seeds do? Extended your life. And now the berries do what? They slow brain aging. Now, if I come back two years from now, I will know if you've been eating berries or not. Right? So why do I show you berries? They reduce heart and stroke risk, 
heart attack and stroke risk. So why show you berries? I delved into this thing. I said, why is it that now they're saying that berries, berries, lots of fruits that you can choose from, but berries happen to be the healthiest fruit that you can eat? By the way, lots of things are berries. I didn't know that. Pomegranates is considered a berry. Did you know that? Did you know that they used the pomegranate in the sanctuary? They used them around the, yeah, the, at the, the, the end of the garment, the bottom of the garment of the, of the priest. Yeah. And that's a beautiful fruit, isn't it? Lots of seeds. And they're all covered with a fleshy, are you seeing it? It's a berry, though. Red. And a lot of berries, I found, there are thousands of berries all throughout the world. Lots of berries. And the primary color is, you guessed it. I thought you guessed it. It's red. The primary color of berries is red. Why would God, just like the worm, he's always somehow pointing out something that bleeds in association with himself. So I said, okay, well, if I keep going down this path, what's the secondary color, most popular color of berries throughout the world? Some berries I'd never even heard of. But guess what the secondary color is? Blue. And the third in popularity? Purple. Now, come on. Now, what did you just come up with? Red. Red. We know that blue symbolizes something. Red symbolizes something. It's the shedding of blood. Blue is obedience to the law, even death on a cross. Right? That's Bible. A ribbon of blue was on also the priest to show that he was keeping the law, obedience to the law. So Jesus shed his blood for lawbreakers. And when you mix those colors together, you get what? Red and blue, you get purple. It's in the fruit. Also, when you look at the, the foundation stones of the New Jerusalem, you find so much red and blue. Even there, we'll always be looking and remembering the cross. Amen? So berries, important. Nuts and seeds. Sorry for the shift here. I had to switch it to 16 by 9. One handful of, or about a quarter cup of nuts extends your life by two years. We saw that. Brazil nuts are excellent. I love talking about Brazil nuts. Anybody have Brazil nuts? You're only supposed to eat about three. No more than that because they're high in selenium, and selenium is, can be toxic to your tissue in, if you too, eat too much of it, right? But there's a study I'm going to come back to this. I think I have the study. Oh, I took the study out. The study shows that Brazil nuts, just four Brazil nuts for an entire month, brought down cholesterol faster than any statin drug. I'd like to say that Brazil nuts are the original statin pill. They have not been able to find a uh, a statin drug that brings down cholesterol points as fast and keeps it steady as the Brazil nut. Who knew that? Somehow, somehow I feel like even though certain things, and I'm about to go into the next item, but it seems as though in the same way that God made provision, should man sin, he also had a diet should man become diseased? Why Genesis 3.18? That's the one I read. Where he brought in the wonderful spinach and the kale and the collards and the lettuce. Why? Anybody have any thoughts about that? Why did Jesus say, all right, Adam and Eve, you have now sinned. You have to eat collard greens. The what? No, the things in the garden could no longer provide everything that they needed. Is that what you're saying? Okay, that's good. 
That's what the Bible says. The leaves, and these are herb leaves, aren't they? That's a good one. Anybody else? Have you thought about this? Why did God now bring in broccoli, kale, cauliflower, right? They're harder to grow? So God was trying to make us work? <laughs> he wanted us to do righteousness by works? Is that what you're suggesting? Well, we did have to work for food. That is true. But the food itself was so intact with exactly what he wanted it to do that I don't think it was about the work as it pertains to those specific vegetables. How about this? Looking at, uh, looking at kales, it's a wonderful source of calcium and magnesium, nutrient disc, high in vitamins A, C, and K. That's good for your immune system, right? Powerful antioxidant, contains sulforaphane. And sulforaphane is highly uh, 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 a chemical compound, compound that actually fights cancer. Huh? It fights cancer. What do you see? There any scientists here? Any scientists to tell us what we're looking at? Yeah? What are we looking at? You have no idea? Well, on the left, you've got a blood hemoglobin. On the right, you have a plant chlorophyll. Both. You've got plant and you've got blood. The chemical makeup of it, right? They're almost identical, aren't they? Except for the center in one other area. But the center for the blood hemoglobin, of course, is iron. And for plant chlorophyll, it is magnesium. But they're almost identical. So man sins, and then God changes his diet, adding collard greens and kale and greens that are high in chlorophyll to the diet. And it's almost like blood. Some even call it green blood. Is that right? What do you think about that? That God adds to the diet something that so resembles blood because now man needs blood transfusion. I'm telling you, God has it in the food. You're not convinced yet, though, are you? Okay. How about... I know you are, Karen. You're with me. Amen. Well, some may say, well, I don't know. This is a stretch. Have you considered what type of vegetables are some of these key ones, like kale, like broccoli, like mm, Brussels sprouts, cabbage? What kind of vegetables are they? What family of vegetables are they? They are cruciferous vegetables. Mind blown. Wait a minute. So you mean to tell me that the vegetables that were added to the diet after sin are cruciferous vegetables? What word do you hear in there? Crucify. Huh? Crucify is a root of that word crucify vegetables. <laughs> what does that mean exactly, though? Did some, you know, botanists, as they were naming them, they said, ah, oh, you know what? Sounds like a good name. Why do they call them cruciferous vegetables? Because as the flower buds, it grows in four distinct Shapes like a cross. Did you know that? So God has there in the very, very food itself something that will remind us every time we eat something about what he was going to do. Now, who do you think hates this diet? Why would he hate this diet? Because it's always there to remind you of a Savior. So he recommends something, something in a box, 
something processed, something that actually shortens your life rather than extends your life. Does that make sense to you? So really, the, ori- the origin of a plant-based diet was all about what God would give us, would put on our plates so that we would have eternal life. I think we've heard that. Watch this. You ready for some science? Powerful, powerful. This is the greatest, the greatest longevity study ever. Ten generations before the flood. Wait a minute. I think I shortened it. I think I, I, don't, I don't know what happened in my transferable. But, but before the flood, you had people living 900 and some years, Right? 900 and some years, for 10 generations, 900 and some years, longevity. That's the epitome of longevity, isn't it? After the flood, 10 generations. Notice, average lifespan is shortened to 317 years, topping off at 175 years with Abraham. And why did that happen? I'm just, I'm just amazed that Jama hasn't, like, said, what, what, is, what is this? I don't know if there is a longer longevity study than the one that's found in the book of Genesis. You literally have God saying, I've got 10 generations of what happens, what, what happens when you have a plant-based diet. I have 10 generations of what happens when you go to a meat diet. You see it? I also think it's interesting as I go back here for just a second. How does chlorophyll work? Through a process of photosynthesis, right? It's, it's basically the, the uh, pigmentation, the green pigment of the plant. How does it turn green like that? Watch out now. It's the what? The sun hits the plant. And then what happens? The plant stores up the energy from the sun. And then when you eat it, it's transferred to you. Have you ever considered that? Jesus never leaves us alone. Even in the diet, he's like, okay, I can't walk through the garden with you and just come up and say, here, try some of these nuts or try these berries. Try this or try that. He says, now you have to have something that almost is like an intermediary. Something that will be between me and you because I can't come anymore. So this will take the energy from the sun and give it to you. You catch that? Oh, what does that make you think about Jesus? How does that make you feel about him? Has he covered all the bases? He'll be the seed. He'll be our collards. <laughs> He'll be our berries. He'll be whatever we need him to be. That's why he's the great I am. I am the shepherd. I am the door. I am the seed. I am the collard greens. Oh, the Bible is rich. So, I believe that the devil hates this diet. Sometimes I present it as why the devil hates God's meal plan. Because every time we would eat what God gave us from right there in the garden, we are rehearsing in the same way like with the lamb. In fact, This is found in Ministry of Healing. I think it's page 295. It says, it is a wonderful process that happens in the body when we eat food. Hmm. How that food is then converted to blood. Have you ever read that? When you eat kale, it converts it to blood. You eat broccoli, the body, without your help, by the way, Converts it, to, converts it to blood. You eat an apple, body converts it to blood. You eat a Snickers bar, 
I don't know what it becomes. <laughs> but God wants us to have this experience. And I thought about that and I said, wow. How is it? Hope I'm not stretching here. But this is just what, this was for me, okay? I'll just share what, what blessed me when I thought about that. I said, wow. So in each of those instances, you eat that particular thing that God gave, and your body knows exactly how to take it and make blood out of it. What you ate today was broken down into nutrients and then was absorbed in your small intestines and through some wonderful transformation, that which was dead has now become life as blood. I don't know about you, but that sounds like resurrection of food. <laughs> These are not my thoughts. This is what she says. She says what you eat dies and then is resurrected and becomes life as blood because the life of the flesh is in the blood. So now here's what I want you to consider. If you eat food that has life, then it will beget life. If you eat food that's dead, then what does it get? Death. See, think about God's process. He is life. He is our life. Colossians chapter 3 tells us. When Christ comes, who is our life. He is our life. He wants us to take in him, and he wants us to understand that process of taking him in because Christ in you is the hope of glory. So now, I sort of look at my food and I say, is it life? Can I find Jesus on my plate? And that's kind of my standard, except I make some exceptions with cookies. <laughs> Jared knows this very well. But even those, I only eat the healthy ones. Like the ones you made, Melanie. Most excellent. Does this make sense to you? Do you remember where we started? The loud cry message of the third angels in the revelation of Jesus. That's the message. That's the one that they didn't give. And because of that, they didn't make it into Canaan. They died before they could enter into that precious land of promise. And God now, back then he said, I'm telling you, one day is going to come I'm telling you, I promise you that there are going to be a people who will understand this and they are going to go forward and they're going to enter into the kingdom and I'm going to prepare them through this process of getting me inside of them. Does that make sense? God wants to live in us. He wants to walk in us. He wants to dwell in us. This body is the temple of God. And I pray that this has blessed you. I pray that the entire day of just sort of coming at this from different angles has somehow spoken to you. And you'll look and you'll say, is that life? Is it life? Thank you very much. Are there any questions? Any questions about anything that has been shared? Clear as mud? Yes, sir. I see. That's not really a question. That's more like a request. <laughs> Karen? Ah, oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they did a study. There's a study that was done where they gave people just four Brazil nuts at the beginning of the month. And it brought down their cholesterol 29 points. Every day they ate Brazil nuts? Just, just one, one day, day that actually kept it down for an entire month. That's pretty powerful. If you like that, if you like that research, the information, I can give that to you. You can go and look at the study. It's pretty powerful. And they have not been able to find a statin to do that. But I have yet to see a commercial for Brazil nuts. 
Don't think I'm going to see one either. But yeah, only three a day actually will help you. See, I believe that God gives us a type of food that we actually are to... His plan is so preventative. In other words, when you think about Adam, Adam lived 900 and some years. He didn't have to worry about cancer. Cancer wasn't around. So God was looking forward to our day, especially in our time, where cancer is about to overtake even heart disease. So God is saying, and now notice how everyone's waking up to kale. Kale chips, kale this, kale smoothies. God is on the move. Thank you for listening. For more messages and food for your spiritual life, go to adairsvillesda.com.